You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 440 of the Columbia Calling podcast. This week's very special guest, well, he's a lecturer in international tourism management at University College Birmingham. He's a friend and he's just been to Colombia. Most importantly, he's been in the first wave of travelers to revisit or visit the island of Providencia, Old Providence, of course, since last year's hurricane which devastated the island so he's going to be starting out talking about what he saw in providence and uh providencia what he saw his experiences on the island and then of course we digress into tourism in the rest of colombia so this is someone who writes about tourism lectures on tourism uh, he obviously gives all sorts of speeches about tourism and therefore he gives us a better idea of where colombia stands in terms of tourism so it's a, it's a good episode with a nice nice banter with simon faulkner on the line with us from shropshire in the united kingdom and i must say as well that he was also lecturer of the year at the university college birmingham so that's you know no small no small deal quite a high accolade there uh, of course uh, we'll be talking to him but of course Thank you to our new Patreon supporters and thank you so much to the very kind review that we got. Uh, the name is not there, but it says Real Journalism. My partner and I do not miss an episode every week. So thank you so much for that. It really means a great deal to Emily and myself to hear that kind of feedback. So please leave a review wherever you listen, wherever you subscribe. And of course, perhaps sign up on Patreon and support us. That's patreon.com forward slash Columbia Calling. Can I also remind you to check out our sponsors because without them, this becomes even more difficult. Uh, of course, sponsor one, the Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. Also, this episode is brought to you by BNB Colombia Tours, expert in custom-made travel throughout Colombia. The team at BNB Colombia Tours can provide you with fantastic private experiences creating wonderful memories of Colombia for a lifetime. So check out their website at bnbcolombia.com, complete the free itinerary form and tell them that Colombia Calling sent you to receive a further 5% off their already great prices. So, of course, at the end of this show, once you've listened to Simon Faulkner talking and you've whet your appetite to come to Colombia, travel around Colombia, but don't know quite how to do it, check out BNB Colombia. So that's bnbcolombia.com. 
www.bnspodcast.com. So be inspired. Come out to Columbia. And thank you again. Don't go away. We'll be the news. We'll have the news from Emily Hart. And then we'll be back in segment three with Simon Faulkner from Shropshire. Thank you again. Bye-bye. I'm Emily Hart, and these are your top stories for the week of September 12th, 2022. The United Nations Development Programme has reported that Colombia is worse off now than it was in 2015. This is according to the new edition of the Human Development Index. Although there is a global fall in scores, Colombia has deteriorated more than most countries. Colombia now ranks 88th among the 191 countries evaluated. Its score is slightly below the average for Latin America, but slightly above the global average. Chile, Argentina, Costa Rica, Mexico, Brazil and Peru have higher scores. Ecuador, Paraguay, Bolivia, Venezuela and most Central American countries are lower. Nine of the bottom ten countries measured are located in sub-Saharan Africa. Indicators measured include a long and healthy life, years in education and GDP per capita. President Gustavo Petro has secured a so-called mega-coalition in Congress this week. At the Wednesday deadline for parties to define their position in regard to the government, the government had gained the support of a majority in both legislative chambers, 79 of 108 senators and 141 of 187 seats in the House of Representatives. The Conservative, Liberal and U parties, three of the largest benches, have declared themselves government parties. This does not oblige them to vote in favour of government bills, but is a symbolic endorsement. In formal opposition are the Democratic Centre and the Anti-Corruption League. Parties which declare themselves in opposition are entitled to additional space in the media, but are not able to access positions in the executive. Guerrilla Group, the ELN, has pronounced itself against the new Total Peace Bill, criticising the intentions of the government to negotiate peace with armed groups like the Gulf Clan, The ELN asked not to be equated with those groups, saying that they are not opposition organisations but are instead organised crime gangs connected to the interests of the elite. However, the ELN negotiator announced that talks with the Colombian government could begin in a matter of weeks, possibly rotating between Cuba and other locations. Spain and Chile have also offered to host. In addition, guerrillas of the mobile column Urias Rondon, FARC dissidents, present in Nariño, have announced that they are ready to announce on a ceasefire, which will allow them to hold dialogue with the government. The commander of the column has made demands for substitution of illicit crops, infrastructure programmes, social welfare, and the public naming of officers, police agents and soldiers who are under investigation in Nariño for their links with paramilitary groups. Deforestation in Colombia's Amazon rose to over 50,000 hectares in the first half of this year. It could finish close to 11% higher in 2022 than in 2021, the Environment Ministry has announced. Last year, total deforestation in Colombia reached more than 170,000 hectares, of which around two-thirds was in the country's Amazon rainforest. The world's biggest banana company, Chiquita Brands, will face trial for financing terrorism in Colombia in the 90s and the early 2000s. A US appeals court has thrown out an earlier ruling that there was not sufficient evidence to sue the country for its links with paramilitary group the United Self-Defence Forces of Colombia. 
In a 2007 plea bargain, Chiquita had admitted that it knowingly paid the paramilitary group, as well as allowing the group to use its port. This news comes as the Truth Commission report that the company's sponsorship of these groups operationally strengthened the group to carry out human rights violations against the rural population. Colombia and Venezuela have announced that commercial flights and cargo transport will be allowed across their shared border as of September the 26th, after a year of closure. The announcement is just the latest in the renewed relationship between the two countries since Petro took office in August, promising to re-establish relations. The governments have yet to coordinate the full reopening of the land border crossing, though the border is currently open to pedestrians. The border is over 2,000 kilometres long. Those were your top stories for this week. Thanks for listening. And we're back. This is Columbia Calling. I am Richard McCall here in Bogota, Colombia. My very special guest. Well, it's become a friend over over the weeks, months, and years. Simon Fulton. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, no, I mean, we got in touch. We got you got in touch through Instagram many years ago. I guess it was before COVID. Yeah, I think so. planning I, I, I did the literal, I snuck into your DMs. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, to, to, well, it was about travel to Colombia and then, of course, the, mm-hmm. the conversation. And we have a mutually uh, uh, a mutual interest in floundering football teams. So, well, you're, I mean, you're, you're, you're the, uh, the claret and blue side of Birmingham and I'm sort of the, I guess, the yellow North London. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's the irony that Michael team stayed up on because yours went down as well so we had that common pain of uh, relegation but there's no i have no hard feelings about that it was a little bitter at the time but that's okay so you're (laughs) a long-suffering villa fan i'm a long-suffering watford fan but here you go the lows are constant but the highs are euphoric when they happen the the highs are more glorious i think continuous lows yeah i think that's But anyway, Simon Faulkner is a lecturer of international tourism management at University College Birmingham, no less than lecturer of the year. And more importantly, yeah, more importantly, he employed me a couple of times. So this is cool. And we'll continue to do so, hopefully. Um, But no, I think what is so interesting, Simon, is over you finally made it to Colombia post-COVID. You finally came. You came with a friend and your son, and then later your your your, uh, your partner came over. So you've sort of done a whole variety of travel. You've not only done, you know, like travel with mates or travel with children, and then yeah, travel yeah, as a, you know, I would say a bit more romantic couple. You're, you're sort of ticking a lot of boxes in terms of like yeah. tourism when, when they think because Colombia has so many different ideas of how to improve tourism family tourism and of course couples tourism that's what they want to aim at so you've covered these and so I, I tick all the different you did. boxes the only thing you don't tick is like sort of let's say the you know over 50s um, but yeah I, wouldn't, I probably didn't get the lads tourism either I didn't get to do the real party tourism we, we tried a little bit in Cartagena but um uh, yeah, over 50s, we'll come back. Yeah, in there. but I don't know yeah. about the lads' tourism, we, 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 especially in Cartagena or Medellin. It, you gotta, we've got to sort of shy away from that a bit. Yeah, uh, oh, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It falls into different categories, unfortunately, and we can talk about that a bit. But what yeah. I am most interested in, and I think my listeners too, is that you went to Providencia about a day and a half after it opened up again 
to tourism. Yeah. And, yeah, and we did. you know, Top Providencia has been in the news. Well, it was in the news over a year ago for being destroyed in the hurricane. And then our president, then Ivan Duque, went out and claimed and made bold claims that within 100 days he'd rebuild Providencia and it would all be amazing. And then I guess a week into his presidency, President Petro went out and just like, oh, my word, nothing's been done. And then we've seen it's been revealed how much has been spent like to rebuild, I don't know, 10 houses or so. And President Duque is still tweeting about how amazing the job was that he did in rebuilding Providencia. Now, I can't make any decisions uh, and I can't, I can have opinions, of course, but you were there on the ground. Yeah, I want to hear what you saw there in Providencia. What is yeah, the reality? So- yeah, well, to start with, when we we um, we booked our, our flights to Providencia via um, San Andre, and um, the, I, you know, did some research into Providencia. I wanted to go for a long time, but since before the hurricane, my original flights were booked for July 2020. <laughs> COVID came along, um, and that was postponed to the following year. Yeah. They were cancelled at the very last minute. Um, so then, 2022, so this summer just gone was my. Was the last chance. I thought, like, third, third, okay, if not this time, I'll I'll postpone Colombia for a few years. Um, and sorry, I think the video just turned off. Sorry. And um, so we, yeah, so we we went to Providencia, and we weren't aware that the airport was closed to tourists. There was absolutely no uh, information, no publicity that the island was closed at the time of booking the flights. Um, I booked a an Airbnb uh, again. Very little communication in regards to it being closed. So, oh yeah, we eventually um, got there via San Andre, and um, it, it was it was stark. I, I was aware of what had happened, but I was and you and I had spoken as well about the you know the the, the, the desired rebuild, potential rebuild. But it was um, it was still yeah it was it was you know, stark is probably the best word. Different regions of the island were more developed than others. Yeah. Um, the south, the more tourist rich area, southwest key um, mm. was quite well developed on along along the path to being back to normal. But the um, the northern part of the island, so so I'm not sure if you know the the geography of the island. So the the airport is on kind of midway through the east coast so you go further north and you're on the you're on the main main town um it's just destroyed still so i mean that main town and the airport and so on there's no tourism there aside from like the airport really no you you might go there to get to get your supplies um there's uh a couple of inaccessible beaches. You have to, you know, you climb up and down over yeah. over a couple of very very steep hills. But no, there's no no tourism there. It does seem like I don't know the decisions process, but maybe tourism was prioritised because the south of the island is by far more developed than the north um, around the beach area. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about this stakeholders that were involved in the rebuild, but from the people that we spoke to, a lot of the wealthier people, the, maybe the second homeowners, took matters into their own hands and um, and you know privately rebuilt their properties to try and open up as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean there was this this talk. So I I want to know sort of what you when you looked at that town or looked at towns that were not rebuilt. 
what are we looking at? There's still ruins of houses or Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, just just destroyed houses, yeah, without question. Um uh the things that I've living in the UK, I've, I've you know, I've not seen these things. Um, you know, with the naked eye, you've seen them on TV. I've, so I've never seen it in in that um, environment before, and just complete destruction, yeah. complete and utter destruction. The mangroves were were completely ripped from the you know from the from the floor, and um, buildings leveled, and um, yeah, just complete. It's difficult to articulate it apart from saying just complete destruction. The yeah. the you know the, um, the the very main nucleus of the town where, you know, there's, there's the two super, there's two supermarkets opposite each other, mm. the, a cafe above um, were, were rebuilt. And you can see where the new buildings have been built and the new buildings compared to old buildings. Um, but, but, you know, 90% still needs to be um, rebuilt. And, and, and do these new buildings look like they might, survive another hurricane or they look like yeah well we we spoke to some people about this um you know chucking a chucking a lime in the sea with the the beer in the hand and people that tourists that come over from providentia moved abroad and come back and Mm. um they've rebuilt their homes with uh, concrete and um and more fortified materials but that wasn't the case with the government built buildings um were still being built with predominantly with wood um and just they were saying you're just waiting for the next hurricane because this is going to be the same process over again um so the promises that have been kept about rebuilding not like in the 100 days obviously so some buildings have been rebuilt but just perhaps not in the um uh secure measure you'd want them to be i i mean it just sounds i you know they're so far away really i mean as the crow flies from Colombia, and of course the history of Providencia as a pirate island, it's where Henry Morgan launched his attack on Panama and sacked Panama and, and, and had that huge uh, pirate fleet. And then, of course, it's another place where the Puritans settled. So there were two two uh, wings of the Puritans. One went to Jamestown, Virginia. One went to Providencia. Providencia is not very easy to farm <laughs> because it's, yeah, a, it's, oh, like, yeah. it's, it's a volcanic, I mean, it's a volcano, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, that failed. And then it's been sort of just this a cast-off island that has only recently becoming a tourist destination. But it's fortunately... Um, I guess shielded from the mass construction in San Andres, which is, for me, kind of brutal. Um, what could be an amazing island in mm. terms of, so let's say, ecotourism, beach tourism. Uh, it doesn't have to be luxury, but the building, and we know what's gone on, is there's been a huge amount of money laundering through San Andres, but Providencia has been shielded from this. Yeah, and it's a it's sort of like the the greatest secret in the Caribbean uh, mm-hmm. in that respect. But of course, this this uh, hurricane a year ago absolutely decimated it. And I don't know if it's because of political ill will, if there's inherent racism towards you. Know, let's say a Caribbean island, mm-hmm. uh, and if, uh, I don't understand because I mean I'll get into the politics a little bit. These these islands, San Andres and Providencia, are are of course claimed by Nicaragua, which is right there. I mean, yeah. you know, um, and if Colombia paid more attention to them, therefore they would have a greater 
case in front of the you know the the Hague and yeah. so on. But there's this sort of just overlooking uh, at them. There's no real. Uh, hospital in Providencia, you get sick, you get taken to San Andres, but then you get taken up to Medellin or Bogota. And, you know, by, by that time, who knows what's going to happen? And, uh, you know, it's, it's a sad situation. We go there and of course it's amazing, but the local people, it's a, it's another reality. And mm. now it's an even greater reality, a different reality to them. And I think that you were out there in this first wave of, of tourism is a huge deal because it is dollars in the pockets you know, yeah. of the people on the ground. I mean, were they grateful? Was there, a, was there a real sense of relief that tourism was coming back? Yeah, so the tourism started on the 23rd of June. That's when it officially reopened. We arrived um, probably, uh, yeah, 22nd, 23rd of July. So about okay, a, month, a month later. A month later, I would say. Um, and yeah, there was definitely an element of gratitude, but I think there was also an element of... I'm, I was very wary of it, big, of, you know, going back to my lecturer role of it becoming almost a dark tourism trip. And I didn't want it, to, I didn't want to be seen as gawping over a, a rebuild and, and like you said, the decimation of, of the hurricane. So it was a, it was a quite a difficult balance to strike. I mean, um, Katie and I, you know, everything we did was try to do it through local people. I mean, you know, we did some incredible things, um, and we'll go through all the different activities that we did. You know, boat, we did an amazing boat tour, um, which we we booked through a person that was known by the person who was managing the property we were staying. <laughs> and it was like we went through three different people. We got a WhatsApp number from the person managing our property, who then was in touch with somebody else, and then it was somebody else picked us up on their motorbike, and um, they got dropped off at a boat, and then it was someone completely different that took us out on this boat trip. I mean, yeah, <laughs> the places, the water, it's just like you say, it's it's just sensational um and everyone was they you know there was a there was a gratitude but there was also a real a real pride um and the inherent racism that you mentioned a few minutes ago is without question apparent you know they they are fully aware people are fully aware that they've kind of been left on their own a little bit and they're doing it themselves in spite of what was promised and not delivered um and they you know they just communities are digging in together in the different um different areas are you know helping each other out and there's a real community spirit and i've not really sampled that before in a, in a for what was essentially for us i don't like the word holiday but it was a, it was a holiday and yeah. to see you know we wanted to try and get involved as possible but there's um yeah definitely a, a desire to um overcome the challenges that are not being met by the government i think that's Probably yeah. fair to say. I think also, yeah, therefore, you, what you talk about the sort of the decimation and the so on—it's disaster porn, isn't it? it you didn't, yeah, want it exactly. Yeah. That. Yeah. You didn't want yeah. it to become that. Taking mm -hmm. photos of, of, well, I mean, you—you're a lecturer in tourism. If you put sort of photos of up on that, it is kind of like a study. You show what's going on. You're not, you're yeah. not just taking it up to get a million more followers on your Instagram type thing. You're not. Is that, yeah. yeah, you're not posing you know, with emaciated babies or anything. Yeah. It's not that kind yeah. of thing. But uh, it, I think important for, for someone who comes to this with a real knowledge of the academic side of tourism, I think that's mm -hmm. way, whereas, you know, rather than just as, as a holiday maker, you, I mean, you're there as that, but you're looking at it through different eyes. Oh well. yeah. All the time. And and when, and in these conversations with different, so just for example, we're on this, on the boat trip, we, um, our boat captain, just a speedboat, and and Katie and I, and, and you know, and uh, our boat captain Harley introduced as the bike, 
um, you know, we talked a lot about the, I mean, one of the things that he said that we'll never forget, um, and this really, really uh, emphasizes this community spirit. He talked about the fact that if it had been San Andre instead of Providentia that was impacted upon by the hurricane, then San Andre just wouldn't, wouldn't be here anymore. San Andre doesn't have the mountains in the middle that Providentia has. So he, he said that we are grateful that it's Providentia that was affected because we can survive this. We can come back and, you know, we have the protection of the mountains, yeah. whereas San Andre will just be completely wiped out. And that, we, we both try to play it a little, you know, it's quite it's quite an emotional statement to make, mm-hmm. um, you know, knowing what happened and having seen it, um, you know, with our eyes. Um, it was, that, that's a huge thing to say. So the community spirit and the, the fact that it's, you and I have talked before about this idea of, of almost promoting the people, I mean that that to me was was the evidence of that. If if that's what the people are like here, then that's your that's your marketing. You know that's what you go for. These people are incredible. Um, but in terms of you know the attractions are you know there's so much to see. El Pico, the climb to the peak, the the waters, the beaches. I mean it's just it's a phenomenal place. But they've just got to be so careful with how they manage it and how they plan it and and how it develops from here on in. Um, it would be very, very easy. And there's already taught, you know, the airport is, is being rebuilt but expanded. Um, ports, ports are being expanded as well. Um, there's a couple of islands on the off the East Coast, incredibly beautiful. Um, we didn't get their names. I think maybe Turtle Island was one of them, perhaps. It's one, yeah. Um, uh, where they're, they're, they're building a key um, so people can, you know, and then they're going to build bars and restaurants. At the moment, it's this incredibly beautiful deserted island. Yeah, the, the travel. One of the the travel writer for in a, a years ago for Time Out, his name was Chris Moss, wrote a few pieces about Providencia, and I remember I met him in person, and we were like saying, I mean, I've said I've been a couple of times, and I love it, and I love it. And he goes, you know, I was. I, I was in two minds about writing these articles because I don't want anyone else to find it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's that kind yeah. of thing. But it's yeah. it is that thing is that you need it needs to be low level local tourism. Yeah, because uh, it, mm. it, it can't cope. I mean, with yeah. with big tourism, and it wouldn't be able to cope not only with infrastructure as well, but also the environment is yeah. so delicate. Yeah. Now, San Andres has been, I would say, ruined. But uh, like you say, if if the hurricane had hit San Andres, it's low. It's all it's a sandy spit. It would have just taken everything with it. Yeah. There's one hill. Uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, geographically so different to to uh, Providencia. But that's an amazing uh, thing to have heard. Is that, that oh no, we we're glad it hit here. Yeah, you know, as someone who lives there, we're glad it took yeah. our livelihoods and our wealth and our everything. Then yeah. San Andres, isn't that amazing? For uh, it, was, it's, it, it was surreal. We both, you know, and Kate and I looked at each other, and like I said, we tried to keep a, a you know the British stiff upper lip. But it was, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think you'd get that here. No, you'd want it to hit the blue side of Birmingham. <laughs> don't say anything don't say anything <laughs> that's me that's me saying it there so you don't have to say anything um but yeah i mean as a watford supporter there's a town in bedfordshire that we would prefer it to <laughs> but i won't mention anything else um but that said i mean just incredible and and i think you know to go and to see and to spend some money and to try and help and spread the word. And now I'm sure you're back at university. Uh, you'll be talking about it and the image. And, and this is the thing, again, we've talked about when we met in Bogota, is uh, when we think about these 
I, I'm I'm never fully on board with the whole country branding campaign. I I, I think it's one of those yeah. you know, marketing things that justifying the expense that needs to be spent for let's uh, yeah. say foreign direct investment and for and for tourism. Uh, but if you've got what you've got, then people will come. Of course, you need to promote it. But I think when uh, pro Columbia started out back in uh, the mid 2000s or working on tourism, the first campaign was Colombia es pasión. And that was a direct implication that the people were just amazing. And I think that was always the best one. And like mm -hmm. you said, you know, what, we should be promoting the people because yeah. uh, you talked about, I mean, these are the incredible people, the Raisales up there in the islands. These are, they're incredible, uh, especially if what you've just mentioned, but to come to the mainland as well, whether it be Antioquia, Cundinamarca, where Boyacá is, uh, where Bogotá is, or the coffee zone or elsewhere that you traveled around, the people are just wonderful. I mean, this is surely the, if we're going to market Colombia, let's market it that way rather than uh, it was a few years ago as Colombia Sabrosura, which doesn't translate. That's like Colombia is like joyful, tasty type thing. Oh, and then there was Colombia's rhythm, so Colombia's rhythm. Yes, but it's a bit nebulous, isn't it? We've got yeah, lots of types yeah. of music. Anything, yeah. um, and then there was the only risk is wanting to stay, which <laughs> was the play on. On, on, I guess, kidnapping back in the day, which I didn't, I actually didn't find too bad in truth because it was kind of pointed at people like me who've, who've yeah. stayed here. But I mean, I can understand those who've had the issues with it. Uh, I, as a, someone in, in uh, sort of academia with tourism, what do you think about these kind of promotion marketing campaigns? What's your, what's your sort of take on it? I think it's incredibly difficult when you have a, you know, I'm very fortunate. I've, I've done a lot of traveling, not as, not as much as you, but I've done a lot of traveling. And it's, it's I've never been to a country as diverse as Colombia. To try and encapsulate everything in that country into one advertising campaign or, or one marketing campaign will be incredibly difficult. One of the few constants throughout the country is, is the people. Whether you have a, a, an advertising campaign that focuses on people in different natural environments, perhaps with a you know inclusion of a city like Cartagena, perhaps something you could do. It's very very difficult. I don't I don't envy the people in charge of doing something like that. Mm. Just from someone that is one, you know, I I, I I well I said to you you know when I was away, I was very very surprised, pleasantly surprised by the number of um, of, of solo female travellers they were traveling really surprised. It's, it's I thought about writing a, writing an article about, um, you know, you mentioned the previous campaign, the only risk is wanting to stay. That doesn't really seem to be, the, you know, there's no, no um, discussion around that anymore. Like it's just seen as a mate, perhaps not mainstream, but it's, yeah. it's not far off there now from being a destination where people just think about going to. Yeah. Um, but to try and encapsulate the jungle and the beaches and the cities and 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 the Amazon and the Pacific and, and the islands in one campaign will just be impossible. And you'd be doing a disservice to all of them. How how do you involve everything? So it's more niche campaigns, isn't it? You pick your demographic and you go for the, you know, you target the 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 colonial cities at the people that would like to go and visit his history and the 
you know, the the jungle, you know, uh, adventurers, you target those campaigns rather than one whole sort of one size fits all yeah. advertising. Which I don't, don't think the- yeah, because we don't have like the Machu Picchu, which is you know, that's the image for Peru. Yeah. We don't have the Galapagos the image for yeah. Ecuador, and uh, and and Costa Rica for so long has taken the sort of pura vida. Uh, you know, we are the natural place and so on. But Colombia, I mean, as I've said before, and I've said again, it's the sleeping giant of ecotourism. But how do you how do you sort of get this together? And and uh, as you say, you're not you're not doing you're doing disservice to regions. There was one time when they always put the the costeño hat, the volteado up as an image, but it's an image for, you know, the northern section of the country. Mm-hmm. It's not the image mm-hmm. for, for the south, which is more Andean. It's not the image for Antioquia or the coffee zone. It's not the image for Bogota. Yeah. And so it's very tough. And I mean, that's Colombia. Uh, I mean, we, it has too much <laughs> to be yeah, able to. Well, that's a really great putting it. I think it does. You know, I had, a, I had a month there. So I was with my son and my friend for two and a half weeks. And then, with um with katie for a partner for two weeks and um barely scratched the surface yeah, it's it's, uh, it's uh, didn't get to see mom pass didn't get to see the pacific the the amazon regions and we had a, i had a month there and you know i was quite i like to do sort of three nights really in a place mm-hmm. then i'd like to, you know, i like to move on to somewhere else mm-hmm. um and I, like i say i didn't scratch the surface so to try and fit everything into one to one campaign would be very very difficult so let's hear a bit more about where you went, because I think there were places that you preferred over others, and there were places where you had more of an adventure. And I recall you saying something about Tairona National Park, and of course yeah. we, we know it for its idyllic beaches and the, uh, you know, the the sort of uh, the indigenous populations. It's sacred to them, and so on. Did you have quite an epic hike through there, or something? Oh, we just were not prepared for the hike whatsoever. <laughs> so we. Um, this is when I was out, was out with Luca, who's my, my 14-year-old son and a, and a friend of mine, similar age, 38. And, uh, yeah, we just had no idea what this hike was going to be like. So we had our – I don't own a pair of walking boots or I don't have walking sticks. We only had our big um, – well, relatively big backpacks and we went to the Calabazzo entrance and um, just started – we had our yellow fever vaccines as instructed by the Colombian Tourism Board – got to the entrance of the park wanted to show our pass that we you know our evidence of our um yellow vaccines not required uh, so that's that's 190 pounds i'm not going to see again um and uh yeah and then the hike started and uh it just didn't end for a really you, long time why did you go in the calabasso and entrance because like where we were staying uh oh, i think it's player blanca yeah the name where yeah. we were so that was that's where we were recommended to enter uh-huh. to get to to get to Playa Blanca because it's um, a we long going... hike from there yeah it was <laughs> it was ridiculous the first part of the hike is incredibly steep yep um <laughs> I we I just didn't do enough <laughs> I think when it was so many places in one trip um you know that every place got sort of a tertiary bit of research but not yeah. a really in-depth <laughs> analysis so I just just assumed you should never assume it's going to be relatively flat, but quite long and flat. Um, it just wasn't, it wasn't oh, that no, at all. So yeah, it was incredibly steep without, without big backpacks. And I had a pair of Converse, <laughs> um, a friend of mine had his Adidas gazelles and we were getting, you know, 20 year olds going past us with like these small day bags and their, their walking poles, sticks, <laughs> their hiking boots. Like, what are we, 
what did ourselves in for here? And uh, we did about, yeah, we did a third of the journey. I mean, there was a little sort of stop off to get, a, to get a bottle of water, which we did. And that was, that was fantastic as well, actually. That was um, uh, cafes. It wasn't a cafe, more of a, just a, a stand. I don't really know yeah, how, like to, a, how yeah. to say it. Um, run by uh, people that were promoting or educating about the different tribes that were in the in the national park. So we, we got a bottle of water, which probably the most needed bottle of water I've ever had in my entire life. And um, while we were sat down drinking the water, they were telling us about the different tribes and they nice. were making crafts. Um, so we bought, you know, we bought some, some little bits and pieces. And they, um, one of the one of the boys took Luca away to show him different things in this in this area, which is fantastic. That's cool. Um, and then, yeah, and then the next two thirds of the journey started. It was it was from there that they had the the kilometer countdown, so like four oh. kilometers, three kilometers. <laughs> I couldn't run five kilometers pretty pretty quickly. It hours. It didn't. It just didn't end. It was up and down across streams over boulders climbing over tree trunks and you, you could hear the sea you could see it you were just so far away from it by the time we got there we were we were, we were pretty broken so that that first uh that first of Aether in um in the where we were staying was was just glorious so so was it about a seven hour hike then uh five and a half okay five, but it's, five it's, and a half, it's that heat it's the geography oh. uh that's it isn't it and i'm gonna i, I just uh i will be having uh the guy that he's, he's from your neck of the woods uh from birmingham area um uh daniel eggington on the show again he's the guy who's been trying to cross the darien gap yeah, I saw this, yeah. but he did it mm-hmm. he did it this time <laughs> Yeah. Uh, on the western side yeah. and I got his call on the satellite phone just to check in when he got through having been abandoned by his guides and and I guess he was pretty much lost but I got a satellite call saying I've made it through uh, and it's the worst thing I've ever done so there you go oh, <laughs> I mean well that's that's incredible because if I can't you know it was an amazing hike it was incredible the things we saw was I mean, the jungle is the thing that I will take away from my trip to Colombia. Green would be the colour. I mean, I expected when I was planning this, you know, two years ago, the, the beaches and, and Cartagena, and that absolutely is, is amazing. The beaches were. Um, we'll come to Cartagena later, I'm sure. Yeah. The jungle is just that colour green. It, it, it blew me away. So we saw some great, amazing things, but it was it was tough. So yeah. what Daniel did, uh, I can't wait for that episode because that would just be. Yeah. Well, yeah. hopefully I'm talking to him next week. I'm I'm actually uh, recording a whole bunch of episodes uh, in advance because I've got some travel up ahead and so on. But I want to ask how Luca, your son, 14 years old, how did he find the trek? Oh, he's, he's fantastic. Okay. He is, um, he's incredibly intrepid. Um, I, I carried his bag a little bit. Purely because I didn't, you know, it, it's one thing doing the trek, doing it with a backpack on your on your mm. uh, way and you down is, is another thing altogether. But he was brilliant. Um, he loves this sort of thing. Um, okay. He, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he loved the entire experience. Good. Tough at times, so we stopped. We had our, um, you know, we I always try and make sure that he gets to soak in the natural environments he's mm. around. So we had, you know, in a five-hour trek, maybe a little bit less than that. <laughs> plenty of time for that. Trip. We also, you know, we put the we put our loud speakers Bose on and played some music as well and just to try and feel <laughs> uh, the spirits um, okay. he was great loved it um the the, the kind of coke he had at the end so coming back out of the national park um 
I promised him a an ice cold kind of full sugar coke. I think that got him through for the last the last half. <laughs> and the noise he made, I've not heard it make before. Um, but he was it was amazing. I've got some great photos of him trekking through, and he uh, he just does it, no moaning, all good. I'm glad to hear that. Now let's move on because I know that I think Cartagena was your least favorite place in and and of course it's it you know i i have all sorts of thoughts about cartagena and actually have to go through because one of the 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 cities that feeds us in Montpost, let's say in terms of tourism but i am very wary of the city uh and i i'd like to hear your opinions it just seemed out of control Mm. i mean the you, you you, you Google Cartagena and the the pictures of the buildings that you think of in Antigua and Guatemala or mm. Granada and Nicaragua and it's 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 just a different beast. Yeah. You know, that's the point. I'm stealing your line there. I think different I think beast. So. <laughs> um, it's just um, it's just uh, incredibly busy. Um, you don't really get a chance to enjoy the architecture because there's just so many people around you mm. um, and. It just never at any point felt in any kind of peace. It's difficult. It's difficult to articulate. I'm very aware of the first world problem mantra with this, but it just, it, from what the, my expectations and what I hoped it would be like having been to Granada and Antigua and Leon. Um, yeah. It was just very different. Very, very different. The beaches, I mean, it's not, you know, one thing I would absolutely say, I'm not, I've got no issue saying this. It's not a beach city. You don't go to Cartagena for the nearby beaches. No, Absolutely no. not. Um, it's a, it's a city to go to, to to see the architecture and then to, and then to move on and go. And you know, yeah. we went east from, um, yeah. from Cartagena. Um, but I, the beach. Yeah, I, I am a, uh, always saying that to people. It's not a beach destination, and they're very clever in their marketing of it they try and say all oh, the beaches mm. and so on with this but it's not a beach destination i'm sorry i've got a child crying behind me um uh but it's not a beach destination and it shouldn't be marketed so because no. i think that's a uh, disingenuous and and does does the destination a disservice i think mm. as well because you expect it and if you go to the beaches let's say on boca grande uh i don't i mean you probably won't have seen but in the last couple of weeks i've been uh, every year there are the same scandals that come up. It's kind of like the silly season in press reporting. Now, there were some Mexican tourists who were charged I mean, around $1,000 for some beers and some fish and a massage or something. And then there were some Ecuadorians as well. And, you know, the tourists are taken advantage of because that it is the industry. Yeah, yeah. It is the industry in Cartagena. If you don't work in it or if you don't work in the refinery or in the port, really, uh, and of course, it's a massive, I would say, underclass of people, unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, who live beyond the city walls, the old UNESCO walls, who don't have the opportunities and so are looking for anything. And of course, uh, I don't justify that, the, you know, the overcharging and so on, because you're ruining it. And, that, that you know, you've got to understand that the, you treat people right. And they come back and they, re- you know, they make references to it and so on. Uh, but uh it it's it's a tough one, Cartagena on that on that yeah. front. It's a tough one, and so you spent three days there. Uh, yeah, three days. Yeah. yeah, three days, including a day in is it Playa Brava. Playa Blanca. Blanca, yeah. yeah. That's I don't have a lot of good things to say about that either. No, that was. I mean, that was a, it was a day trip. And the other thing, you know, you saying promoting it as a beach destination, you're actually taking away 
potential trade from other beaches along the along the, the north coast that would benefit from having the trade that the container has got. I mean, um, you know, Play Blanco was incredibly busy. And then at four o'clock, everybody left. So we were on, we were in the car park at the beach for a good hour and a half. Waiting. Different minibuses and buses and taxis and cars left. Um, so I think an, alter, an alternative way of marketing Cartagena to take away from the beach tours might actually make it a little bit quieter, disperse tourists around the country in different places, um, which which could be a plan because no one's going to leave those beaches and thinking I've had an amazing day at the beach. It's not the beach. It's not the. It's the first beach we went to in Colombia. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, you you see the Colombia beaches and the learning. You know, I'm I'm, st- I'm still one of the one of the last. <laughs> probably with the lonely planet book and you know that's that's how i do my planning in the in the local boozer with a beer and and it's the beaches are, are a big part of the draw and that's the first beach you see in the, in a flagship's destination so it was a bit of a um a bit of an eye-opener so i think that would be one way of you know that's that's your colonial your beautiful city there's other places to go to for beaches yeah, it's it's a tough one as well because they, of course, they don't want to give up that tourism. They don't want to give up because it's, it is yeah. the eternal city of Colombian tourism, and you know, well, tourism in local regions can might might be somewhat altruistic in these yeah. big, in these let's say mega destinations. It's uh, you know, it's, everyone's fighting for that last person to fill a room, especially when you've got places with 200 rooms. And yeah, uh, it's like, I guess, I guess it's the Caribe hotel. Caribe has got that Hilton, there's a Radisson now and so on. So these are big things. It's not, we're yeah. not just talking about the hundreds of boutiques that seem to exist. Uh, it's, it's, it's a strange one. I don't, I don't know how you do it, but I've always said, and you know, you didn't make it to my but I've always said, and I always looked at like a, absolute extra uh, you know terrestrial in a few years ago we had the tourism union in Montpos were invited and uh, to have a meeting with the mayor newly elected mayor and as always I was at the back because I don't like meetings so I hide um, but we went through the mayor sat down and he, he asked each of us so hotel owners tour guides so on to what what he could do for us. So every person sort of stood up on what they wanted. Everyone was talking about infrastructure roads, so roads and bridges to get more tourists in. Uh, everyone said that. And, and it got to me, and of course, you know, this, this weirdo Brit, <laughs> bitter, <laughs> sat there and I went, I don't care about roads and I don't care about bridges. I said, you focus on getting good hospitals, working on the drains and the yeah. schools and the tourism will come. I mean, we'll yeah. look after the local people because mass tourism is not what we want here. It's a small UNESCO world heritage site, which needs to be managed. We need to have rules on how buses enter the city, how trucks go through the colonial and my God, how they looked at me. I was just like, yeah. what am I, am I, am I trying to damage it? Am I trying not to help them in tourism? I was like, no, We've got at that point there was like twelve hotels. We don't even have beds for a thousand people. You know, let's just say yeah. it's not even like six hundred. We we probably do now. But I was like, what do you, what are you going to do with mass tourism if they get yeah. off in buses and stuff that drive through the centre of town? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, d- uh, damaging the integrity of a UNESCO World Heritage site. 
and the local people need the education they need the hospitals and they need the drains and it all goes yeah. together and yeah. sort of, and that's my feeling a bit towards Cartagena if we could if we I don't I'm not even going to use it I want to say leveling up like Boris <laughs> but I don't want to say it but if we could bring let's say some of the absolute misery not even poverty beyond the walls in Cartagena up to a, a livable standard then surely we're we're creating a bit more of a, a, a community uh, yeah. And I, I think that's got lost in Cartagena as the community a bit. You know, I think we have to work amongst the traditional communities, uh, and and unfortunately, so many have been uh, well displaced through economy, selling their houses and selling and so on because it is that that tourism destination. But Cartagena, I mean, we could talk about that, and we could write we could write uh, you know dissertations about it because you know it is it, there are so many elements that 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 raise there where where else did you get to in colombia what what more so you were in bogota yeah so bogota to cartagena we went across to tyrona and uh -huh. then um we recovered from tyrona in palomino nice which is re really like palomino that's yeah. that was a that was a really um good uh, yeah recuperation point from, from what yes. was Tyrona uh, and then um, back to Bogota via Santa Marta um, okay. and then San Andre Providencia okay. uh, Providencia to Medellin oh. um, and that was that was a last minute we had flights booked from um, uh, oh sorry I've missed out uh, we went to um, Minca as well sorry mm. we went to Minca yeah that mm. Minca was beautiful yeah I shouldn't know I should have missed the Minca uh, oh, Minca's special before. Oh, in, in, yeah, that was really where the holiday, mm. holiday, mm. the adventure started. Because uh, yeah, we, Bogota was a couple of days to sort of reclimatize, and then Cartagena wasn't wasn't what we thought. So the Minca was just beautiful, um, and we met somebody in Minca, a, a friend of mine now, uh, who read, you know said he lived in Medellin, German guy. Um, he said, gotta go to Medellin, gotta go to Medellin. <laughs> um, so we instead of flying from. San Andre back to Bogota. We changed our flights and went to, to Medellin and really like Medellin. Medellin to Jardin. Oh, I see you. Jardin to Salento. Yeah. Salento back to Bogota. Okay. So you got some coffee zone and you got the Antioquia yeah, part. Yeah. Says, but otherwise, the rest of it was what we would call sort of Northern Colombia and so on. There's yeah. so much left. There's too much left there. Oh, man. There's so much <laughs> left. There's a whole West Coast to look at. There's the Amazon part. We'll definitely, yeah. definitely be back. But that's a good yeah. thing. I mean, it's a good thing to have got a flavor for it. And it's a good thing to have got around a bit. And I mean, you, again, the first two and a half weeks you traveled with your son, what would you, what would you say as Columbia with destination with children? I thought it was fantastic. I think you have to have a, you know, I, I've already had, I already have one child. I can't really relate him to, to any of the children. Um, you have to have a bit of patience. Um, He's in parenting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. He's, incredibly, he's incredibly willing. I thought it was perfectly, perfectly set up. That we stayed in, um, you know, we always, when we go away, we always stay, it was all hostels. Apart from um, Katie and I, when we went, we were in, in Airbnbs, but when I was there with my friend and Luca, all hostels, um, dorm rooms, normally dorm rooms on our own. So it'd be the three of us in a four bed dorm and, mm -hmm. um, 
I don't think there was ever a time. Yeah, I think it was always just, just us in a, in a dorm room. Um, but, you know, around other people, other tourists, um, which I I, love, I think it's incredibly important for him to speak mm-hmm. to people from different parts of the world and to learn. He, he loves, you know, he loves that as well. He likes to have a bit of his own time. But yeah. um, it's an adventure. It's not a... Um, it's it's not a two week all inclusive. You know, it is an adventure. And we I did have a conversation. We we've we've been previously to Costa Rica and um and we traveled down the you know the Baja Peninsula in Mexico. So he's aware he's aware of what these sort of trips are like. They're a little different to trips he goes on with his with his mom. Uh, um <laughs> I'm not sure which he prefer. I'll have to I, he could tell you that. Um but amazing. The people were so friendly towards him. Um and he he um now, I, as you know, I'm trying to learn a bit of Spanish, by no means perfect, but enough to try and solve some problems if they arise. But he tries to learn the basics as well. And um, everyone's incredibly friendly towards him. He really bought into the, the idea of the adventure. It was great in Tyrona. Um, you know, we were all a little bit poorly at times as well. I think the change in, in food and, and climate and, you know, he dealt with that incredibly well. Um, it, it's a great, it's a country. I, I've The only time I've ever taken him away on a trip where we went to only one place, we went to, um, we went to Sharm el Sheikh in mm-hmm. Egypt. Mm-hmm. He was six and we had 10 days in a, in a beautiful hotel on the beach. Uh, had a, had a water park in the hotel grounds. And I'm thinking this is going to be amazing. You know, 10 days of just splashing around beach, just snorkeling. And, uh, he was, he was bored by day four. Day four. And I, well, I've done the water park now and I end the slides and I've done, been in the beach now. I want to go and somewhere else but i don't know if you've been to Sharmar shake it's essentially a walled resort now you can't yeah. really leave you weren't at that point this is 2009 yeah no 12 maybe 13. Okay. there was the the heightened terrorist threat so yeah. you couldn't go into the you couldn't go into the deserts um so since then it's always been right we're going to go on a holiday but we're going to place to place you know denmark sweden portugal spain um nice. costa rica mexico Colombia was the first time I really think it really tested him in his, his physical ability to, you know, hike through Tyrona. And even, even Palomino, we, uh, I don't know if you've been to Palomino, you can do the tubing. Down the river. Down from the top. Yeah, down the river, yeah. But, but the hike to the, the hike to the entrance to the tubing is not the sort of thing that you would, everybody could do. You know, it's pretty precarious at times and very, very thin ledges. And, um, you know, you've got to carry your, tube with you so that's it's not like it's it's difficult it's not the sort of thing that you just do um but he was he was brilliant and i think i think it's a great thing to do with with the children i think it's um you know as long as you let them know this is what's coming your way and but you're going to float down the river in your tube and then you need to come out in the oceans there and and on the meander you can buy yourself an empanada and i think that's (laughs) a really really amazing thing so he absolutely loved it it was his, it's, he's said since he came back, it's been his, his favourite trip. Um, again, he also said the jungles were his, the things he will take away from this. And having, you know, like you said before about Costa Rica being ecotourism number one, he he would say that that would be Colombia, um, which is a, you know, huge compliment. So, well, I think that's, the part of the thing is, is Colombians do love children. They do yeah. love them. And I think that helps immensely. And I always, people, I get people getting in touch. It's like, I want to come with my children. I want to do this. Do it. Do it. Uh, the infrastructure in circumstances is lacking, but this is only a question of time. And 
you know, when you're talking about the, the thin ledges and so on, well, so long as you know, <laughs> and so long this as this is it. And I actually, <laughs> I actually think that part of the, sorry to interrupt, part of the, part of the charm and the romanticism of it is that it's not easy. Mm. And I think if you take that, you know, going back to Providentia and San Andre, Providentia has got a lot to learn from San Andre. It, it's going to be, it would be really easy. The easy thing to do in Providentia is to just do a San Andre and do a money grab. You're going to lose all the charm. And there's a, you know, the, the one of the pushes at the moment in academia is looking into the this idea of a, the high quality tourist. And actually, it should it be more high quality tourism than the high quality tourist? You know, high quality tourist is incredibly classist. What, yeah. Who constitutes a high quality tourist? Um, you could probably say that San Andre has the high quality tourist. Providentia has the the adventurer. You're not going to Providentia as a very, very, very affluent person to spend thousands of pounds. You know, you're, you're going there to to sample you know, experiential tourism to really be amongst the people. Um, I think there's a lot to be said to making it a, a little bit difficult. You see, you have to hike up to the tubing. Well, that's okay because you go on a tube down and I think that if you're going to get family, you know, again, this idea of experiential tourism is, is families and this is a huge post-COVID reaction in tourism. Families doing things together. You know, it was great. You know, I was... I was walking behind Luca and my friend was in front of him and we were, you know, helping each other with these tubes. And then we got on the tubes and came down the river and it was amazing because we did this together. The yeah. Tyrone and National Park hike back. Luca and I were ahead of my friend quite considerably. <laughs> we waited at the end and we didn't want to cross the finish line without him. And that's, a, that's a, you know, we, we will always have that now. And I think experiences things that bring us together are more important now than ever. And if you make things incredibly easy, you're going to lose that. If there's, if there's a boat that takes you up the river, which you can then shoot back down, there's no, there's no satisfaction in that. And I think if families, again, the family typology, a brilliant way to bond with your children by doing things like that together. So I think that is part of the charm, actually, that it's a bit difficult. It's not, Getting around is very easy. Buses are incredibly easy to take. The, you said to me back in 2020, the internal flight network is incredible and so cheap. It's just, you know, a flight from Bogota to San Andreas is cheaper than my train from Shrewsbury to Birmingham. That's just <laughs> Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Don't get me so started. There's a lot to be said for making a little bit, I just think a little bit of difficulty. And, that, and again, this is the adventure. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's amazing, an amazing overview of your trip to be able to think of it on all these, uh, from all of these perspectives. And I also like, I love this idea of high, you know, not the high quality tourists, but the high quality tourism. And I think that's yeah. what the key thing we're probably going to take away from this, aside from watch out in Cartagena. Uh, but <laughs> no more said about that. And don't have fears before you trek in uh, Tyrone or either. Yeah, the night before, so. keep it on the, on the Agua. Oh, yeah. But so, listen, I mean, this is that we've heard from an expert in the academic world of tourism, a very well traveled uh, individual, and taking, you know, it's, it's no small feat to take your, your son over to South America and, and you know, and then, and then your fiance, because congratulations. I know, I know Thank there's a wedding much. coming up, uh, but is. it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And, and to hear from a lecturer in international tourism management talking about this 
I mean, you were able to focus on key things and look at them. And, and of course, how we plunged into this conversation with Providencia, because so many of us here in the mainland or elsewhere just don't know what's happened. You've seen it. Mm. So yeah. listen, uh, Simon, thank you so much for your time, because I know you've got, oh, thank to, you. you've got to run and prepare classes. <laughs> I do have to prepare classes. Yes, the, the semester has started. We are we are rocking it. So my uh, my upcoming module is tourism trends and futures. Wow, which hopefully you'll be involved in, but we'll definitely look at Providencia as a case study destination as well because it's on a it's on a knife edge where, where it goes from here. All right. Well, there we go. We've got plenty to think about. We've been talking to Simon uh, Faulkner. He's up in Shropshire. Uh, that's a lecturer of international tourism and management at. I've got it written down, University College Birmingham. So thank you again, lecturer of the year. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So we will speak again soon and we'll probably bemoan uh, the, uh, the, you know, our, our relative uh, football team. So thank you again. This has been Columbia Calling and we'll be back next week with more uh, conversations about Columbia. Now over to some messages from our sponsors and goodbye. This episode was brought to you by... Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. And also, our other sponsor is BNB Columbia Tours, experts in custom-made travel throughout Colombia. The team at BNB Columbia Tours can provide you with fantastic private experiences, creating wonderful memories of Colombia for a lifetime. Check out the website at bnbcolombia.com, complete the free itinerary form, and tell them that Columbia Calling sent you to receive a further 5% off their already great prices. So that's bnbcolumbia.com and of course, latinnews.com. Thank you for everyone for listening. That's us. Farewell. And of course, check back next week. Bye-bye. Pescador